Welcome to the fourth episode of the Hot Esquina podcast. We are John and Enrique, two Cuban dudes with a passion for Yankees baseball. Joined today by my good friend, Matt, who also has a big time passion for Yankees baseball. How you doing, Matt? Okay, Enrique and John, thanks for having me on your guys' podcast. You're welcome, my friend. You're welcome. Today... We are going to talk about, I mean, what else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about baseball being back, baby. The lockout is over. The MLB and MLBPA agreed on a new CBA. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into all the details for you. And we're going to get into what we think the Yankees will do. We'll be right back. It is high, it is far, it is gone. Ahí va, por el desfile, olvídala, esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va, se va, se fue. And we're back. Matt, first of all, man, as I said before, welcome to the podcast. John, good to catch up with you. I know it's been a little bit. Hope everything's good with the family. How how's Tampa been? I know you've had a good time being out there, seeing all the minor league players. You've been having a good time. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. Um, unfortunately, the last time I was out, and it looks like going forward for the foreseeable future, the Yankees are restricting the media access, so I can't get the kind of access that I'd get in, that I that I had gotten before. Uh, um, before it was the gates were open, get good videos, but now I have to get everything through the chain link fence that divides the uh, the fields up. So it's a little frustrating, but it's been fun seeing the intra-squad games. That's that's awesome, man. And you've gotten some great access. Uh, I know I speak for myself and I think for Matt that we enjoy your coverage. We enjoy the pictures you put out on Twitter. We enjoy your articles as usual. Um, by the way, if anybody's listening to this that enjoys reading articles about Yankee prospects or about the Yankee system in general, definitely check out John on Twitter, check out his articles on pinstripe pros. That is what you want to get for all your Yankees minor league content. But today boys, today is not about the minors, is it? Nope. It's all about the majors. Yeah, boy. Well, it's kind of about the minors if we're going to end up giving up prospects. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun, right? It's fun that we can actually talk about it, that we can actually talk about whether we should give up prospects, whether we're going to sign a guy. Baseball's back. We don't have to talk about labor disputes anymore. What a relief. I don't know about you guys, but I feel... Like a huge burden's been lifted off my shoulders, and I haven't even been in those meetings. So imagine how those players and owners must be feeling right now. I know that's crazy. I was overhearing and talking about the lockout thing after the first day or two, but now we don't have to talk about the lockout. We don't have to talk about whether this is going to happen or not happen or anything like that. Baseball is back free agency 
is going to be starting now. Spring training is going to be starting next week. You know, opening day, April 7th. You know, let's go. Let's do this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So for those of you who have been living under a rock, the new CBA is for five years. We'll have increased minimum salaries, a new pre-arbitration bonus pool to the top to reward the top young players in the game, a raise in, com in the competitive balance thresholds, the competitive balance tax threshold, sorry about that, which we know, guys, was a major sticking point for the players. They wanted that competitive tax balance to go up. They didn't want the balance to remain where it was. They, I know for the Yankees side, even though, as me and you have said, John, you know, Howe is not his father. He doesn't like to spend. But overall, us as Yankee fans, we wanted this tax threshold to go up because we wanted more spending. Even if he doesn't wind up doing it, we wanted the option for him to do it to be there. Am I right? So this is this is good. Yeah, it's good. I said, you know, now with the competitive tax threshold being raised starting this season at $230 million and by 2026, going up to 244, you know, now it's going to force team, all teams, even probably the smallest market teams to spend money. And yes, as you said, Enrique, Hal is not his father, which some Yankee fans haven't can't uh, grip that concept, but he's not. But now maybe he will spend the money, like maybe starting this season, maybe he'll spend more money than he was planning on. And then as the following the seasons go by, maybe he'll start reeling it back and everything else like that. Maybe I don't know Freddie if that's Freeman? really going to happen, though. Sorry, John. I don't go know ahead. if that's going to – I was going to say, I don't know if that's going to happen, though, because um, like we were – like I was saying uh, in previous episodes, Hal his father. He's not going to spend, and they're heavily relying on a lot of these prospects to turn out like they're projecting to. Um, and that speaks to Volpe and Peraza specifically is why they're reportedly not going after Correa. Um, now I'm seeing conflicting things on Twitter about what's going to happen at first base. I see someone saying that they're going to go after Olsen and then others saying they're not going to. So who knows as far as that's concerned. And that's something that we talked about in another episode where they have good depth that first base but they just got to be patient freddie freeman come on down exactly because i said i saw on twitter that as far as freeman goes it's down to the braves and the yankees and the braves are not going to give uh freeman that sixth year but uh the yankees might and he's too old they won't go after him you don't think so i mean no he's he's too old it, because supposedly that's part of why they're they're supposedly having second thoughts about Aaron Judge, but one of the reasons that they would redo uh, Aaron Judge's contract or extend Aaron Judge is because of aside from how popular he is with fans, he's from what I saw earlier on the Yes Network, he's the number one selling jersey in baseball. So getting that kind of revenue on. Uh, that would make sense for them because at least they'll recoup some of the money that they're going to uh, use to spend them. I mean, 
he's old er i get it but he's not like you know past his prime old john he's still what in his early 30s matt could you do me a favor and look up how old freddie freeman is really quick i believe it's in he's in his early 30s and still in his prime john he's not past his i think he's 30 well uh, yeah and listen he's still in his prime he's a lefty hitter which we need in this lineup like you know if you're gonna lose because you would imagine if they sign Freeman, they're gonna lose. He's thirty-two. Um, he's thirty. He's thirty. Yeah, he's thirty-two. See, so that's then, not then that'll guys. put him at. But then that'll. Yeah, but so that that'll put him at his years. That'll put him at thirty-eight. The time that contract is up, and then you'll have the same kind of conversation you're having with Guardy this year. Is oh, he's too old. He's too slow. He's this. He's that. And Yankee fans are gonna be tired of someone at when they're at that age. Well. In a way, I agree with you, but in a way, I don't because Freeman is at a level that you we haven't had at first base in a long time. You can make the argument that Freddie Freeman is the top first baseman in the game. And if there's a chance, even a slight chance that you could get him. I mean, listen, 32 is not that old, guys, you know, and. Yeah. Like I said, at the end of the day, you're talking about possibly the top first baseman in the game. He would only cost you money. He would cost you no prospects like Matt Olson would. And he's a legit defender at first base. Believe he's a gold glover there, if I'm not mistaken. And what I was going to say before, John, is he's a lefty where if you sign him, more than likely you're losing Anthony Rizzo, which one of the appealing things that Rizzo had when we got him in the trade with the Cubs was that he was a lefty hitter and him and Joey Gallo provided us some lefty pop, which this lineup sorely lacked. Signing Freeman gives you an instant upgrade over Rizzo. Nobody could dispute that. You can make the argument he's an upgrade over Olsen. And he's a lefty. And he provides some serious, serious pop that if you put him in the middle of that lineup between Judge and Stanton, watch out, boys. Yeah, Yeah, but they said the same thing about Rizzo. And my only thing with, I don't know, I don't understand why fans don't want to keep Rizzo because the Yankees gave up I don't want to be seen as a prospect tugger, although I kind of am. But you look at the two prospects they gave up, um, Kevin Alcantara and – oh, I'm having a brain fart on the other one. It was a, a pitcher that they gave up. Um, I have to look them up. But I don't – why they're so resistant about um, keeping Rizzo and spending the money elsewhere where there is more of a need, like as a catcher. Like I, I don't know what's going to happen with Gary. I know the the – the fans and the Yankees are, are having more, uh, they're a little bit more sour on the position. So many more opportunities within the Yankees to fix first base and fix short. I mean, I've said in the past that I'm all for Rizzo staying. I like Anthony Rizzo. I own the dude's jersey. I was ecstatic when the Yankees signed him. I'm not against bringing Rizzo back. And I would 
think that there's a lot of Yankee fans that aren't against bringing Rizzo back. That's not what's in question here. What's in question here is if you have a chance as someone who's a massive upgrade over him when he was already an upgrade as it was, and you have a chance at the top player at the position, and it only costs you money, why not go for it? And John, I would think for you, you would especially be on board with it because not for nothing. I mean, I could be wrong, Matt, but not for nothing. You sign Freddie Freeman to a mega contract that pretty much takes you out of the Carlos Correa sweepstakes. And if it takes you out of the Carlos Correa sweepstakes, then that speaks to exactly what me and John have been saying in previous podcasts, where they're pretty much telling you by signing Freeman and not going after Correa that they believe in Volpe and Peraza. So, you know, why not? Why not the way I see it? Sign Freeman, get a short, uh, a shortstop um, gap fill guy that can fill the gap until Volpe or Peraza is ready and get another starting pitcher. You know, I'd be fine with that. How about you guys? Um, the prospect, the prospect, real quick that they uh, gave up was right-handed pitcher Alexander Vizcaino. Um, I saw him in 2019, and then Alcantara I saw play last year um, in the complex league. So, what's your thoughts on what I said, John, about them getting Freeman and uh, you know, basically that being their way of telling fans, hey, we believe in Rizzo, I mean, uh, in Volpe and Peraza, and we're going to get Freeman, fill, solidify first base for years to come, and we don't need a Carlos Correa. We're, we're going to put all our money in on Freeman, get another pitcher, and, you know, get a stopgap guy until Volpe or Peraza are ready. Would you be... I feel like you'd be happy I, with that, wouldn't you? Well, so my thing is they have Voight. He's gonna be he's gonna be a, a an eyesore on the roster if that's the case. So you're gonna have two first men that can both hit. Voight, I would say, has more power than Freeman does, given what I've seen. I'm not saying that Freeman's a slouch as far as power goes, but I'd rather see Voight hit a bomb than Freeman hit a bomb. But I understand that the fan sentiment. I don't fans hate Voight's guts more than they hate Sanchez's guts from what I've seen. But I, I, I you look like you want to say something. Well, I was just gonna say I got nothing against Voight. I just think he's a liability defensively. What do you what do you gotta say, Matt? I say I said you were talking about a, a a gap at shortstop. Would would that be like a Trevor Story or a, a Ben? Uh, uh, what the hell? Andrelton Simmons? Simmons. That's it. That's the guy. Got or something it. like that. No. What, what would you consider so, a stopgap guy? My, my stopgap, I would say, is Jose Peraza because they. He signed him to a minor league deal. He's right now he's on the AAA um, Grant and Wilkesbury roster. They don't need to go after somebody else because he has proven major league experience. He was with the Mets last year, year before, something like that. So they could stick Jose Peraza in there until Oswald Peraza is ready to go. 
heard of. See, that would work. That would work just fine. It, it, that would work just fine if you get a Freddie Freeman in here. If you don't get a Freddie Freeman in here and you go after a Carlos Correa as much as, like I said, I don't like the guy, you know, then that's different. But I like it if you're really gonna gonna believe and put all your chips on the table for Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza, then why not solidify first base once and for all, get a legit power threat in that lineup between Judge and, and Stanton. And, you know, once these two kids are ready to go, if they're as good as advertised, which John, I have complete faith in you that they are as good as you say, then we should be set. My thing is, if we don't get Freddie Freeman, would we be able to, you know, sign Olsen and Correa, or we, or we would have to choose between one or the other? Um, I don't think they're going to spend that kind of money. Well, remember, Olsen's a trade, so you wouldn't necessarily be spending money on Olsen. With Olsen, it's more along the lines of how much how much of his salary you would have to take on in the trade, much like the two trades they did last year with Gallo and Rizzo, where they got the Cubs and the Rangers to pretty much pay for their for each player's respective salaries. They didn't neither one of them cost the Yankees anything. Uh, if you could take, if you could get Oakland. Now, obviously, this would take a massive prospect hall to do this. But if you could get them to basically cover more than half of Olsen's salary, he's not going to cost you anything. So theoretically, I could see a situation where you sign um, Correa and trade for Olsen. But as John said in the beginning of the show, it'll cost you massively as far as prospects go. So it would and take not- more than than, than this... Uh, trading uh void to oakland and and maybe one or two prospects and then they would maybe take most of uh olsen's salary or take or take more than that yeah what i've seen is um because i don't think they're going to take void it, it doesn't sound like anybody really wants void um unless he's packaged with some kind of superstar prospects and they want either volpe or peraza and the yankees aren't ready to give either one of them up um and the thing is, even though they have the depth in the infield to give up Volpe and Peraza, it doesn't make sense for them to do that because when you have, um, and I don't like using the Derek Jeter comp, but the kind of talent that they have is when you have a Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, kind of a, a potential legend in the system, there's no reason to, to want to trade for what could possibly be a rental because if, if you look at Rizzo, that's basically what he, what he's been so far. He's been kind of a rental in a way. Um, and then you look at the way that um, Kevin Alcantara is um, a, one of the other sites that I write for, he's rated as the number 85 prospect in minor league baseball. So that's the kind of prospect that they gave up for a one year rental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boys to 
to move on um, and, and get more into this lockout uh, being over and the CBA finally being agreed to, I just wanted to touch on a couple more points. Um, another thing that was agreed on that I think we all like that'll hopefully end tanking once and for all is that a new system was agreed to as far as a, a draft lottery. Uh, so supposedly, according to Mark Feinstein, it's the widest ranging draft lottery in all of pro sports. Um, are you gentlemen happy about that? I'm guessing you are, right? Yeah, because you always have the same teams tanking every year, like the Orioles, the Marlins, to, to name a few. And, you know, now, now they have to compete. They can't just say, oh, well, you know, we're going to lose 100 games this season. No big deal. Well, apparently now it is a big deal. This one's mainly for you, and I know you probably got a major opinion on this, given your, your expertise on prospects and, and all those kind of things. Um, one of the other things that was agreed on was the, the new system that allegedly uh, limits um, service time manipulation. They finally got a system where you can't just manipulate service time the way they do anymore, which according to what I read in this system, there's even draft pick compensation for teams that actually bring up their prospects when they're ready and don't manipulate service time. What do you think about that? And Matt, you can jump in obviously too. Um, I don't, I haven't read a whole lot about the negotiation stuff because I've got too much going on uh, personally. So I'll have to, we'll have to revisit that question at a later episode. Any uh, um, opinion on anything, it would be on the international draft, which supposedly has been pushed back to 2024, 2025, potentially from what the little bit that I read. Um, and there's so many, there's so many different ways that you can go about because it benefits some guys and, and it really hurts some other guys. Um, and I think, that's something that we're definitely going to have to revisit at a later date while I get, while I wait to get more opinions on it. Um, but I was speaking to someone earlier about how, um, how right with fraud, really fraud, but just there's so much corruption. It's almost more corrupt than politics in a way with the way that they negotiate some of the contracts and in signing some of these kids. Um, so yeah, that's something that we'll, we'll revisit at a later date, but um, the service time thing, I don't know. It, like, that could be another thing where it helps some guys and it hurts some others. Because yeah, I heard that as far as the international draft goes, that there's, I guess there was supposed to be a committee getting together and they're going to discuss, try to work together to, to figure out how to work it in. Because uh, I know like players like uh, David Ortiz, uh, was a fan of the international draft. He just, you know, thinks that, you know, you should try to ease it in, not just like, you know, just toss it in there and everything else like that. So I think there's going to be a community that's going to get together and uh, talk about how to uh, work the international draft so it works at, uh, 
good for the owners and for players. I mean, the whole international drafting is such a a tricky thing to talk about because you hear stories like John said about the things that goes on with these kids and some of these are truly kids like you're talking you know 16 year old kids I know that's when Gary was signed internationally you know and the things that get offered and bribed to these kids and the things these kids go through in their respective countries it's you know it's not right and so I can understand you know, why there would be backlash against it and why some people would be against it. I could see why some people would be for it. I mean, look, selfishly as a Yankee fan, do I want the international draft? Absolutely not. I love the fact that we are in the running for the top international prospect every year with Dominguez and and now this past year with, um, was the top international prospect we got this past year, John? Uh, Roderick Arias. Roderick Arias, yes. So with the implementation of this new international draft, if, if that's indeed what's going to happen, we as Yankee fans could forget all that. It, those days are over, you know, because obviously we're not going to be picking at the top of those drafts. But listen, if it's what's best for these kids, I'm all for it. And if it's what's best for the game, I'm all for it. To be honest with y'all, I don't know what you guys think. Well, I've got to step away, so uh, you guys have a, a good rest of the episode, um, and I look forward to listening to the rest of it once it goes live. Thank you, John. Thank you for hopping on with us. Hey, thanks a lot, John. Yeah, because so my- maybe us thinking, uh, Enrique, maybe with this the, this uh, group that are supposed to discuss the international draft and how to make it work uh good maybe they'll figure out a way to you know take care of these kids and so that way they're not being taken advantage of and whatever and stuff like that because that's i don't understand how why how people can just you know take advantage of these kids because from other countries that and stuff just to get them uh on their team or something like that so they gotta figure out something yeah, you mentioned it, man. There's going to be a new committee. Um, that's another thing that was agreed upon that is going to start adopting changes to playing rules um, starting in 2023. I don't know if that committee is going to be in charge of the international draft per se. I don't think that's what they're there for. I think they're there more along the lines of for in-game stuff and changing the in-game rules. I think from what I last heard, the international draft is more something that's going to be talked about down the road from the players and owners. Let's just hope that when that day comes and they round back to that subject, we don't endure what we're enduring now i mean obviously we're not going to endure a lockout because for the next five years if i'm not mistaken because i think that's what the new cba is we're pretty much safe from that happening but if i'm not mistaken if the international draft 
doesn't happen, then something else will then come back into play, which is um, the competitive balance uh, tax, if I'm not mistaken. Or I, I forget, if, if you could look it up, Matt, I'll, I'll appreciate it. But I know that was one of the terms of the agreement that they would kick the can down the road, come back to it as far as the international draft goes. And if they can't come to an agreement on it down the line, then that would be placed off. But then something else that was taken off under this new CBA would then be brought back. Like that was the compromise. So basically they, they kicked the can down the road in good faith in hopes that they could come to an agreement on that. And if they don't, then one of the things the players didn't like will come back and they'll just have to be okay with it because that's what they agreed upon. At least that's my understanding. Well, I got the whole thing about the international draft right here. Okay. It says in exchange for agreeing to an international draft by July 25th, 2022, MLB will eliminate the qualifying offer, the direct draft pick compensation for free agents. International drafts. International draft. International draft would be twenty rounds, six hundred plus selections, increasing the total compensation earned by amateurs by more than twenty million annually. Okay, Signing so bonuses. so yeah. sorry, Matt. Sorry, sorry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the part that I was trying to think of that I just didn't remember. So thank you for looking it up for me the qualifying offers that was a major sticking point for the players that they didn't want the qualifying offers to be around anymore. And that's one of the things that was put away for now, but like you just said and clarified for our audience, if they can't come to an agreement with, with the international draft then the qualifying offer comes back. So I guess that incentify in gives incentives to both sides to come to an agreement on it, especially the players, because the last thing they want is to deal with the qualifying offers again, um, as far as contracts are concerned. Yeah, it also, also says the signing bonuses would be guaranteed for drafted players. Clubs who select players from growth countries, countries within with less than 0.5% of signings in a previous three signing periods will receive additional selections to incentive uh, scouting and signing in emerging markets. There you go. There you go. So listen, that's all well and good, but the bottom line is it was something that couldn't be agreed upon now, right? Like we're, 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 we're there, right? It, it was something that couldn't be agreed upon by the players or owners now. So that's why in essence, they kicked the can down the road and said, we'll revisit this later. Listen, like John said, you can have your thoughts on it one way or another, you know, David Ortiz spoke on it. Like you said, others will speak on it. Like you said, everybody will have an opinion on it. Some are for it. Some are against it. All I know, my brother, 
is that I'm happy. It's something that even though both sides couldn't agree on it, I'm glad it's something that did not detain us from getting to baseball in 2022. I mean, for goodness sakes, Matt, we were at day 99 of this lockout. Like if I had to deal with day 100 or another month of this because they were hung up on the international draft, like if that was the only thing keeping us from baseball, I think I would have lost my mind. So in my opinion, I think they did the right thing deciding to revisit this at a later date. And I think the players did the right thing by, you know, giving that owner, the owners that concession of, hey, in good faith, just to show you we're not trying to move this on down the line with no intent of at least trying to come to an agreement on it. If we don't agree on it, you can bring back the qualifying offers and, you know, and uh, what what did you say again? The qualifying offers and the draft pick compensation, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. Those are two points that the players definitely don't want back. I know that's something that the players vehemently were fighting against because it limits what they can do when they're trying to get a new contract, when there's draft pick compensation involved and qualifying offers involved. So look, I'm just glad we got baseball back in 2022 and one way or another, whether they agree on this uh, international draft or not, is irrelevant to 2022. So let's get back to uh to this season, my brother. Also, like you said before, um, the competitive balance. I know that's something we already talked about, but just to recap, it went up to 230 in 2022, will gradually increase every year, all the way to 244 in 2026. That's major that's something the players really wanted um with if i'm not mistaken there's um also a pre-arbitration bonus pool that was agreed upon a the minimum salary for players that haven't hit arbitration yet was also agreed upon and was brought up all the way to seven hundred thousand in 2022 and could go all the way up to 780,000 in 2026. So, you know, that's a nice little jump there. Um, with the pre-arbitration bonus pool, um, you're talking about $50 million to be distributed amongst the top 100 players. That's good. I mean, I think that helps especially for these players that haven't hit arbitration yet that haven't been, you know, close to hitting their, their big payday yet. You know, not everybody's going to be Max Scherzer and earning the salary, the yearly salary that he's earning the yearly record breaking salary that he's earning. Not everybody's going to be a Garrett Cole. So I'm glad they looked out for the little guy. Um, we already touched on the draft lottery, the international draft. We already touched on that. Um, rule changes. Um, 
we already talked about the committee that's being placed. I know you briefly touched on it as far as hoping they would have a say on the international draft. As I told you, I don't think that's what's going to be the case. I think their main focus is more along the lines of uh, adopting rule changes as far as gameplay. For example, the pitch clock, which more than likely is coming in 2023. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, the bigger bases. I know we all saw the meme on Twitter <laughs> about that gigantic base. That might be coming. One that I'm looking forward to, Matt, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely looking forward to removing the shift. I'm yeah. so pumped for that. And I think guys like Joey Gallo are especially pumped for that. <laughs> and, uh, and another one is the automatic ball and strike zone. Now, I don't know if they, if the automatic ball and strike zone means that we're going to have, um, that we are going to have uh, robo-umps. I don't know if that's what they mean by that, but, you know, it, oh. I'm, up for, I'm up for any of these changes, to be honest with you. Oh, I just got an alert from Bleacher Report saying that both the Dodgers and Yankees are in on Freeman. There you go. There you go. Listen, get ready. Get ready because we're going to have a free agent frenzy within the next 24 to 48 hours, or at least the beginning of one. I know that for a fact. And this weekend is going to be nuts. But what do you think as far as the rule changes and uh, all the changes we've talked about so far Matt? Are you in favor? Do you like them? Do you dislike them? What do you think? Well, I said I'm all for the, you know, the universal DH because I always hated that when the Yankees would go to a National League ballpark, you had to see the pitchers try to hit. I, and I use the words try to hit. And then you see their teammates in the dugout laughing because they know they don't hit. And then, you know, they were up getting hurt because I think uh, one season – uh, Tanaka got hurt running the bases and everything else like that, and nobody wants to see that. What kind of what, what strategy that you can come up with uh, if you, you you take out a pitcher and then you lose a, a position player or however it worked and stuff? Nah, I'm no, I'm good. You know, have a universal DH. You know, the way it is in the American League, pitchers don't have to worry about batting and getting hurt because of swinging. Because I think uh, last season or something like that, uh, DeGrom hurt himself swinging uh, the bat and he, and he was out for some time and stuff like that. And, he, and you don't need that because you, you need pitchers, especially now with this season. Yes, we're getting a full... 162 game season, but you know, spring training is only going to be, I think, a three week thing. And then these players are going to want to ramp up real quickly. And, and, and uh, there could be injuries during the season, and you need pitchers. And where you can get pitchers if your pitcher gets hurt because they're batting. I could not agree with you more. 
Um, first of all, that's something that me and John talked about in previous episodes regarding pitchers needing their time, especially. That's one of the things that worried us the most about the lockout. How are these pitchers going to ramp up their arms if you don't have a full spring training? So I'm completely with you. I think it's not a matter of there might be injuries to pitchers. No, no. You can pretty much guarantee that there's going to be injuries to pitchers. We can only hope as Yankee fans that it's not Garrett Cole, knock on wood, or if you're the Mets, you hope it's not the Grom or Scherzer, so on and so forth. You know, I can mention every ace for every team, but you get my point. Um, hitting definitely doesn't help that. I agree. Although, let me tell you, some of these pitchers can hit. I know DeGrom is a good hitter. I know Big Sexy, Bartolo Colon can hit. You know what I'm saying? So some of these pitchers can hit. But I agree with you. For the most part, most of them can't. Most of them look lost. So it's like, why bother? Why do that to your team where it's an automatic out each time? And yeah, you know, if you're a baseball purist and you love the double switches and all that, I get you. I sympathize with you on this day where the death of the pitcher hitting has occurred. I sympathize with you. But you know what? This can only help the game. So I agree. Um, also, one thing I really like about the rule changes and things that were agreed on, we, we spoke about it earlier with, with John before he left, but I'd like to touch on it a little more. The, manipulation, the, the manipulating of the manipulating of service time. Okay. Under this new system that Major League Baseball put in, like I said, clubs will get draft pick compensation if they do things the right way and don't just manipulate service time the way they do. I know, Matt, we, we can look back recently, for example, when we acquired Glaber Torres, and how much everybody wanted Glaber to come up. And they, the Yankees took their sweet time bringing him up to manipulate the service time. They did the same thing with Judge before they eventually brought him up with, with Tyler Austin and so on and so forth. You've seen it with every single player. And it's not fair because some of these players wind up being studs. You know, some of these players wind up being the studs of their franchises. Some of them wind up being, you know, the Fernando Tatis juniors of their franchise, like what he is for San Diego or, you know, what Aaron judge is for us. So one of the things I like under this new setting is regarding draft pick compensation is that, for example, if you're a club and you promote your top prospect, your your Fernando Tatis Jr. or Vladimir Guerrero Jr., whatever top prospect you have, and you promote them on opening day rather than just waiting to promote them in the middle of the season, if that player finishes in the top three of Rookie of the Year voting or top five in the MVP or Cy Young voting, 
you're eligible to receive draft picks. And hey, who doesn't love extra draft picks? You know what I'm saying? So especially if you're one of these teams that, for example, under this new system, if you're one of these teams like, say, the Marlins, the Orioles, the Pirates, and you wind up picking in the lottery because, as you said before, there's no more tanking. And, you know, you wind up getting the number one overall pick because you won the lottery, right? Let's just say. I don't know how the lottery is going to work in MLB. I'm just basing it off of how the NBA lottery works, right? Right there, let's just say you finished in the lottery, but you already called up your number one prospect on opening day. You didn't do him dirty by waiting forever to call him up and, you know, manipulate his service time. Right there, you're eligible not only to have the number one pick in the draft, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe you get an additional first round or second round pick because of this new system. So right there, you got a chance to get two studs in the first round or maybe one stud in the first and maybe two in the second or what, however they're going to, you know, work the draft with, under this new system. So I really like that. I like that, you know, it gives teams incentive to not do this to guys, because honestly, as fans, we don't want to wait that long to see our top prospects come up. I know eventually when Volpe's ready, I don't want to wait forever for him to get called up to you. No. And also what's good is that top prospects who finish first or second in the rookie of the year voting will receive a full year of service. It's a beautiful thing, my brother. You see, and you're and and you were talking about the the draft lottery. Here's how they say the draft lottery works: top six selections will be awarded via lottery. Odds would be based on the reverse order of winning percentage, with the bottom three clubs each at sixteen point five percent. Eight the eighteen non-postseason clubs would be eligible, be ineligible to receive lottery selections in three consecutive years, while non-payees would be ineligible to receive lottery selections in consecutive years. So you see, kind of similar to what the NBA is, but different, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I can see the similarities of how the NBA draft lottery works, but you know, it's, it's got its spin on it um, because obviously it's Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball has a much more deep and, and extensive draft where, you know, the NBA is only two rounds. The MLB draft is, gosh, I don't remember how many rounds, but I know it's a lot more than two. So, you know, they had to put their spin on it to make it work the way it would. And, and I like it. I like, I like the new system. Um, another thing I liked, I don't know if, uh, if your thoughts are, are on this, but, um, what I also like, and I know we touched on this off air, but I like that they've also cut down under this new CBA, how many times you can call up and call and send down players. I mean, I know, like you were telling me off air 
uh, the Yankees hostel show mentioned how many times Albert Abreu was called up and down last season. You know, let's rem we could think back to how many times Squid was called up and down. You know, Squid Velasquez. Hey, good luck to him over there in uh, Los Angeles with with Tyler Wade. Uh, you know, and I could just go on and on about how many times, um, like like we used to call it. I don't know if they, if they're still gonna call it that, but how many times we've seen players come and go on the Scranton shuttle, you know? Well, guess what? That Scranton shuttle is now going to have limited stops thanks to this new system. And I like that very much because that's not fair to these guys that it's like, hey, you're, you're getting called up to the show. Hey, come on back down. Hey, you're getting called back to the show. Nope, nope, nope. You're, you're, you're coming back. It's like, how, how many times are you going to mess with a guy's feelings? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I'm sure they tell these kids, hey, you're only going to be up there for a little bit. But still, I mean, come on, man. Give a kid a chance to actually stay up with the big club, you know? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, because I say, because as we as say, you said, we discussed, discussed off air about Abreu, who last season went up and down 11 times. Now with this whole CBA agreement, they can only do it five times. So as like I think Jack Curry or Bob Lorenz was saying on the Hot Stove Show tonight, that, you know, that basically eliminates the Scranton bus. You know, now they now they have now they have to, you know, be smart about who they call up and how many times they've called up and sent this person down because after number five uh, time comes, that's it. They they gotta stay, or you send them back down. Then that's until next season. You can't call them back up. So now they have to actually think about it. And I like that, not just for the Yankees, but for other teams too. That you know they might call up a guy just because you know he's gonna fill in for somebody against us. Let's just say you know let's just say we're going against the Rays late in September like we always seem to do because it's it always seems to come come down between us and the Rays. So let's just say it's late September. You know, it's the Yankees and the Rays fighting for first place. And the Rays want to call up, you know, some utility guy who winds up becoming a beast for them against us, like like how it usually happens. But they've already called them up four times. They're going to have to think about, do I really want to call him up this fifth time against the Yankees? It, you know, do I really want to do that and then get stuck with him for the remainder of the season? You know, it, it adds a little bit of gamesmanship, too, as far as the other clubs are concerned. So I like that very much. Yeah, I agree. It's like, oh, this person's getting called up again. Okay. Oh, this person's getting called up again. It's like, they're here, they're gone, they're here, they're gone. It's like, I'm sure the players themselves are like, understand that it's a business, but, you know, they're getting a little tired of having to go back and forth. Oh, I'm going up to the big club. And then the next week, oh, I'm back. You guys missed me? It said this revolving door needs to stop. I agree, my brother. So, so overall, um, just to get your thoughts and then we'll, we'll get into a little more Yankee talk and call it a day. Who do you think won 
overall in this? Do you think the players won? Do you think the owners won? Or do you think nobody really won and everybody pretty much had to meet in the middle the way it should be? What no are your who thoughts? won? No who won? We won. We got baseball back, so we won. Yes, we had to go through a lot of, he said, uh, give, me more, give me my money. No, give me my money. Give, all this stuff that we just hopefully we'll never have to deal with ever again. But at the end of the day, you know, baseball is back, which everybody wants. We get the full 162-game season and everything else like that. Yeah, there are going to be some double headers that we're going to have to deal with, but not like we haven't dealt with double headers before, you know. So we'll get our, our um, uh, season. And now we have, uh, as I said, we have this new um, postseason where now, like, if there's no, there is, um, there is uh, no more a uh, hundred and sixty-three game tiebreaker because now all playoff spots will be determined by a tiebreaker formula. Now with the wild card, the wild card round is now a best of three. The top two division winners receive a bye to the LDS. And then there's no more reseeding for the LDS. The number one seed plays the winner of the four and five uh, matchup. And then number two seed plays the winner of the uh, three versus six matchup. Which like is good, that. you know. I like that. I, I, I like that uh that format. Um I'll be I'll tell you, I originally was not on board with more teams making the playoffs, but now ever since I did my research earlier today and I saw the same thing about how the playoff seedings and the playoff format would be constructed. I was telling you this off air. It reminds me of how the NFL does theirs, where who knows if MLB is smart and they know how to promote this and how to take advantage of this. I mean, nobody's going to do what the NFL does. Let's, let's be real. We're baseball fans, but nobody's going to market their product the way the NFL does. But if baseball was smart and they marketed it this the way NFL markets their playoff format, you could see something similar where just like how the NFL says, hey, welcome to wild card weekend. This weekend we got wild card weekend. You know, MLB could hype that up now that it's a best of three series. Hey, wild card weekend, you know, we're going to have the top two wild card teams going against each other this weekend. You know, who's going to go against the Yankees in the divisional, you know, blah, 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 whatever. You could, if you're smart, you could really market this, especially to the younger audiences, which we all know that's what Manfred and the owners want. They want to make the game more appealing to younger audiences, which another rule change will help with that, which is making this more accessible to uh, the degenerates out there that like to gamble. <laughs> that's going to help reach the younger audience as well. But I digress. Um, 
Yeah, man, I, I like the new playoff format. I also like uh, the new overtime format, the new extra innings format, rather. You know, I was still in <laughs> football mode thinking about uh, thinking about the football playoffs. That's why I said overtime. But um, yeah, like the new extra innings format, how they got it set up, how they got rid of the runner at second base, how they got rid of seven inning double headers. I like those changes too. I like the fact that we're getting more to traditional baseball again you know, at least until 2023, when ultimately this new committee comes up with new rule changes, whatever they may be. Um, we already went through a, a bunch of them earlier. Um, but, you know, I, I like these changes. And I, for one, agree with you. I think the fans are the winners here today. And if I had to pick a side that won between the players and the owners, I don't think I can because it pretty much seems like both sides had to concede in order to make this work. You know, the players, in my opinion, Matt, I think they came out better this time around than they did in the last CBA. That's for sure. You know, I, I remember listening to Randy Levine recently on Michael K and he even mentioned how that might be one of the reasons why the players were so upset this time around because they got pretty much their you know what's handed to them in the last CBA needless to say that didn't happen this time around this time around things were more even but they definitely came out better than the last time and I like it I like I like that nobody came out on top I like that both sides had to concede things and like you said i feel like today every baseball fan won i couldn't be happier yeah exactly i was i was i was telling uh another friend of ours that you know i felt like you know my my birthday is 10 days from now so i feel like i got an early birthday gift with, now with, with baseball uh being back Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, oh man, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I know I, I like you and like most people obviously jumped up for joy earlier today and you know, it's, 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 it's a great day. It's, it's a wonderful day. It's a beautiful thing. Um, it's a new day. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so before we go, I know we touched on this briefly earlier, but tell me, who do you want the Yankees to go after now that we're locked and loaded and getting ready for a free agent frenzy this weekend? What do you want to see happen? Well, as I said, it is what what I what each Yankee fan will want to see happen and what is going to happen are two different things. Because as, as we all know, we would all know what would happen if the boss was still around. <laughs> but as I said, as we all know, unfortunately, he is not. And Hal is not him. And Hal is not, doesn't spend money like his father does, used to. So I, I, as I said, I would like 
if we can get, you know, get Korea and stuff. Yes, I know the Labila Yankee fans are like, I don't want Korea. He was part of those Houston Astro cheaters and whatever. But if we Yankees were to get Korea and we started winning championships and stuff, I would, I would say, oh, well, people would just totally forget it, but they would, you know, not be as angry as they are now. I could be wrong, but as I, I wouldn't mind getting Correa. Freeman, uh, I, would, uh, I would like him too, because as I said earlier, the Dodgers and Yankees are are in on him, so don't know what's going to be the end result of that. And then you got Matt Olson. Are we going to trade for Matt Olson? If we did, who we, we who we we could have to get up give up? And then what we're going to do with Rizzo? And then they're signing Judge. So many questions, no answers right now. So it's just you know a wait and see. But now with free agency being off and running as you said it's going to be uh you know your everybody's phones are going to be getting going off getting notifications and everything else like that so let's see what happens yeah man yeah it's gonna be fun um i think i already mentioned this earlier but i'll just briefly touch on it as i said if the yankees sign korea i would not be opposed to it I don't want him myself, not just because of what he was a part of with the Houston Astros, but just in general, him, I, you know, I've said this on Twitter. I, I, he just doesn't strike me as a guy that would fit into this clubhouse. However, based on talent, if we're taking the personality out of it, and we're taking the human being out of it and we're going on talent alone. Of course, I wouldn't be opposed to the Yankees signing them, sign them today based on talent alone. It's just him and what comes along with him and the person he is that worries me. See, Freeman doesn't worry me, not from a talent perspective and not from a personality perspective. The dude seems like he would fit in with this clubhouse beautifully beautifully like he seems so down to earth so chill you never hear a peep out of him you know with Korea you I don't know man there's a there's just a certain arrogance I see out of that kid and I'll never forget that video where he tried to act like a badass defending Altuve you know getting getting all tough on my on the mic trying to diss uh Cody Bellinger defending his boy Altuve like I don't know man I don't know the kid just strikes me the wrong way but like I said talent alone I would take him overall I would prefer Freeman if that's the option get him solidify first base and see what you got with Volpe and Peraza and please for the love of Pete, get me another pitcher. You need another pitcher. You cannot go into this season. I know Severino's coming back. I know, Yankee fans. But you don't know 
how he's going to come back. You don't know if he's going to be the Severino of old. You don't know. You haven't seen him pitch in God knows how long. I don't remember the last time we saw him, but I know it's been over a year with the exception of those appearances he made out of the bullpen. But in a starting role, it's been over a year. I know that for a fact. So you don't know how he's going to come back. Yeah, Tyone, you know, impressed last season coming off of Tommy John, but you don't know how he's going to be. And then after them, what do you got? You got Nasty Nestor. Okay, Nasty Nestor can fill that void in the in the back end of the rotation, or he can be that Swiss Army knife that you use out of the pen too. I know that. Herman. And you got Domingo, exactly. And you got Monty, Jordan Montgomery. But really, Matt, and maybe you could fill in on this quickly. Do any of those guys scare you? The only one that really scares you in that rotation, if you're an opposing lineup, is Garrett Cole. And maybe, maybe Severino, if he comes back the way he was. Again, not trying to diss Tyone. Tyone had a good year. But was he a top end of the rotation guy that scares you? You know, look at these successful teams that have had deep runs. You know, look at what the Astros did, albeit with cheating, I know. But look at what the Astros did with Verlander and Cole. Look at what the Nationals did when they won, when they had Scherzer and Patrick Corbin, right? Generally, you see these teams that are World Series teams. They have not one stud pitcher. They have one stud and one semi-stud that you can slot in if your said stud gets hurt. Or you can at least, even if he doesn't get hurt, count on him every fifth day as a legit number two where you say, okay, if the rest of my rotation falters, oh, well, at least I have two reliable pitchers that I can count on every fifth day. The only pitcher that we have in this rotation that I know I can count on every fifth day is Garrett Cole. So I would like another pitcher. I don't know about you. And if I'm not being too greedy, get me a center fielder and call it a day. Cause let's face it. We're not moving on from Gary Sanchez this year. So let's not even mention that. Cause that's not happening. He's staying at least for 2022. So for 2022, for the immediate, get me Freddie Freeman, get me a center fielder, and get me a starting pitcher. I, I agree, because like um, David Cohn always says, they, going to a season, you, you got to go into a season with like seven, at least with seven pitchers and stuff like that, but maybe now with the way the season's going to be or whatever, maybe it's more because as you said before, there are going to be injuries. There's no way about it. There, pitchers are going to get injured. Uh, infielders and outfielders are going to get injured. You know, that's just the way it is. No one, no entire team stays healthy for the entire season. So you, so when you go out and get players, you got to, you know, Think of how the season is going to play out, and and what you're going to do if uh, a, a certain player gets injured. Okay, if this player gets injured, 
I have this person as a backup or, you know, this picture or whatever. You got you to think smart. Yes, every Yankee fan is like, oh, yeah, give me Correa. Give me Friedman. You know, give me this guy. Give me – but you know what? As I said before, those days are over. The boss, unfortunately, is gone. And so you just got, unfortunately, Hal is going to be smart with the money and whatever and do what he feels is right for the team. What he feels right is right for the team may not be what fans feel is right for the team, but that's just the way things are. I agree. I agree. And look, answer me one question, Matt. God forbid, and again, knock on wood, God forbids this season starts and the inevitable happens and pitchers start going down like flies because they didn't get enough time to ramp up their arms the right way during spring training because they're not going to have an appropriate amount of time in spring training. It's going to be a shortened spring training. What do you do if you're the New York Yankees and Garrett Cole goes down? Who's your number one? Who's your, who's your stud that you can count on every fifth day in Cole's absence? Tell me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I say then you you would then you would have to hope that people like Herman or uh, or ne- or nasty Nate uh, Nestor Cortez. Uh, um, step up and able to fill the shoes or maybe to be somebody in the bullpen that could that could step up or you can maybe have to call up uh Luis uh heel yeah heel yeah. yeah or something you know but you see but, you're proving my point though you're proving my point by what you're saying you're proving my point you don't have that one guy that you can say you know what my ace is down. It's all good. I still got this guy that can slot in as the number one while he's down. You don't have that guy. If the Mets, as much as we don't like them, if the Mets lose Scherzer, guess what? They still got the Grom or vice versa. You know, that's a beautiful problem to have. If you're in Queens, God right. bless the Mets fans for the, for the first time in their life, they have two studs, studs at the top of their rotation. We have the one. And speaking of the boss, even he believed in pitching. Yo, you don't remember that one time that we even got featured on Sports Illustrated, Matt, where they literally put the cover. I'll show you as we're talking where it said you can't have too much pitching. You don't remember that squad with Burnett, with Clemens, with Pettit, with Contreras, who was garbage, but okay, he was the number five guy, and Mike Mussina? Bro, like even the boys believed in pitching. So, I mean, come on, man. Having the one guy is not enough. No, it's not. You, you got You have to have more than one just one ace and whatever you can't just have one ace and then four and then other four guys there 
are, eh, you know, you, you can't get by with, eh, you know. So maybe, as I said, maybe during this whole free agency, I don't know what decent pitchers are out there right now. Uh, I know I the Yankees were on uh, Carlos Rendon. That's the only pitcher name that I – I've heard as far as Yankees go, I don't know if they're looking at anybody else or I don't know who else is really out there. The only one that I've heard also is Rodon. And I'll be honest with you, he's not an ace either by any means. I'm not trying to say he is. But if you sign him and you slot him in with, with Tyone, you at least feel a little more confident in the rotation if Severino doesn't come back the way he used to be. Now, listen, if Severino, (coughs) excuse me, if Severino comes in this year and has the year that we all know he can have, and he's the Luis Severino of of old, then this conversation is mute. You know, it's, it's for not like we're, we're feeling really good about the rotation then because you literally have, a Garrett Cole, a Luis Severino, who's at the top of his game. And then you could, you know, feel good that Tyone is your number three. But I don't know, man. I don't know. To me, there's just too many question marks at the rotation, and you need at least one more pitcher just to feel confident that you at least have the depth to make up for it. Are you going to get us? a starting pitcher, the caliber of a Max Scherzer, like the Mets did to pair with a Jacob deGrom? Obviously not. Those guys are off the market. They're not available unless you trade for one. I get it. You're not going to get a guy like that, at least not in 2022. But at least get yourself some depth. At least cover your bases just in case Severino's not the guy we expect We expect them to be. Or if, God forbid, um. Tyone has, you know, a disappointing year or isn't the pitcher he was last season. You got to cover your bases, like David Cohn said, right? You got to cover your bases and exactly. and be prepared. Exactly. You always got you always got to be prepared. You got to be smart about things because I say someone goes down, you have to have someone there, and not like. You know, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, that's not way to run your team. That is right, my brother. Well, on that note, I think we're going to call it a night. Um, thank you for hopping on with us for the first time on this podcast, man. It was a pleasure having you on. I hope you're able to hop on with us in future episodes. Yeah, exactly. And said thanks. Well, thanks again to you and John for uh, having me on. And I hope to do this again soon. Yes, indeed, my brother. Well, everyone, uh, for John, myself, and Matt, thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Hottest Gina Pod. Um, be sure to follow John and, you know, follow Pinstripe Pros for your minor league fix.
fix. Um, definitely read his work. It's a great read and definitely one that I'd recommend. He is good at what he does and definitely awesome to catch up on and, and get your fix, as I said. And hey, we all need to know what's in the farm too. It's not just about the the guys up top because eventually those guys in the farm do become the guys we root for in the major leagues. So definitely follow John, follow myself, follow Matt, um, follow Pinstripe Pros and follow us at the Hot Esquina Pod. For John, myself and Matt, we will talk to you again another time. Be sure to, to listen to us next week.